Girl Clothing is so much more than clothing. We are a movement. We have collectively decided to stop seeing each other as competition and instead seeing each other as sisters because we believe that is why we are held back as a gender and we are tired of it. So we are coming together, sharing our stories, our experience, strength, and hope to know that we are not alone and to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving forward. It is 100% girl power. We know that if the women energy is not lifted up across this planet, we are doomed as a human race and we are here to change the game. So please help me welcome back our host, Tavra Lee. Oh, you guys are in for a treat now. You are listening to Girl Talk and I have more than one guest with me today or actually I'm going to say I have two extra hosts I have Maddie and Ashley with me thank you for joining me me. oh yeah what'd you say it's putting a lot of pressure on me but I think I can handle it it's been a lot of pressure I'm going to have you turn your mic just a little bit more in and you guys know that we are on the fly so we're going to do some some changes as we go because we all together want to talk to Karen yes Yes. (laughs) hi Karen how are you I'm good thank you happy to be here with y'all well we're excited to have you here so now Karen so excited Tell everybody, um, what, first of all, what is your last name? Skalval. Right. So Maddie and I tried it earlier. You'll notice I didn't, didn't pronounce it. There it. was a reason why. Because I'm like, we. I said skull. 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 Skullvol. Yes. Okay, we got it. We were right. So you you speak Norwegian. I speak Isn't Norwegian. Isn't it wonderful? It's I can nice finally <laughs> tell. I can finally just say up to the sky, Grandma, Grandma Lem. I did it. Yeah. I did. I did the Norway family proud. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you, Karen, part of, um, part of what excites me about talking to you is that you are unique. I know that you have uh, a very special um, history that you're going to share with us today. And I also love that you still compete. You do things to push your body in ways that a lot of people don't. And I know that you have the ability to show us that there's really no excuse to not go after the things that you want. That is very, very true. I am terminally ill. I will die from my lung disease. And my lung disease is caused by a rare disorder in my liver that has caused my lungs to deteriorate, my liver is failing, my heart is not in a pretty good condition, and I have Addison's disease. My body does not produce cortisol. So in any kind of... um, I'm living on the edge every single day. Uh, Breaking a leg could cause me to die if I'm not immediately treated with cortisol. So it's different. And I am on oxygen therapy most of the time now. Uh, It's getting more and more and more and more liters per minute as we, as it is a progressive disease. So when were you diagnosed with this disease? And and I'm actually just going to stop you just for a sec, or actually ask you to keep going, but I'll be adjusting the volume a little. Yeah. Um, I was, I got the proper diagnosis eight years ago, um, this fall, one week before my 40th birthday, I was finally given the name of my mystery disease that has followed me since ever 
since childhood. I have always worked twice as hard for the same results as everyone else in sports. Mm. Um, despite that, I was a decent swimmer. I was in fitness scene. I ran marathons in under three hours. And I still couldn't catch my breath properly. So in Germany, ten, eight years ago, I got my diagnosis and the death sentence, so to speak. So, but I, I'm, I mean, this happens sometimes that children and even adults aren't able to catch their breath, but it's usually some type of asthma. Um, so, but they were never able to figure this out. And have you lived with that feeling for a long time? I had my my really serious symptoms in the beginning of my 20s after I had my son. Mm. I was told by doctors to lose weight, gain weight, uh, train harder, train less, um, move out of the city, into the city. Uh, and generally I did what I was told and I was told that it was all in my head because I was extremely fit. and. In Norway, they tried to keep me alive um, for about two years where I was in complete respiratory failure in 2009. I was training for the New York Marathon, had my last run through uh, of a full marathon, ran in 2.57 and it was like, yay, I'm going to nail this mm -hmm. baby. Um, the very next day, I was gone for the world for about a week that I have, I, I have been told what happened, that uh, both my lungs collapsed, a full pneumothorax, and I barely was alive when I arrived at the hospital. Wow. Mm. That was 2009? Yeah. And that's when you got the diagnosis after that? No. Oh, that still wasn't it. Oh, man. No, I had... Um, Two years, almost two years, where I was more in hospital in the ICU and at rehabilitational hospitals than at home. I had my own caring room at the local hospital because they knew the minute that I got to go home, within 48 to 72 hours, I was back again. And they tried everything, every single drug there is to treat so-called brittle asthma, what was the thing they thought I had. I mean, I don't think that healthcare in Norway is behind the times, no. right? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with understanding, you know, this is, this, is a great, this is a great problem that you have when you get to host shows and you get to hear complex problems that exist in the world that there aren't always solutions for. My frustration level is what I just did, which is like, I want to bang my head against the wall. <laughs> yes. yeah. I, I don't think that the health system is that far behind. And so... No, but even in the even in the states, mm -hmm. um, a rare disease like alpha one is alpha one deficiency is the thing you don't think about when you have a young athlete mm -hmm. with breathing difficulties. They tell you that because you're so fit, you will retain um, some. Um, residual volume in your lungs because you can't completely push it out because you're under so much strain in that maximum effort zone. 
And that was their explanation. And no one thought about taking these quirky tests to see, is there something really quirky there? Mm. Uh, they looked at an x-ray because I was, you know, I was young, non-smoker, um, healthy lifestyle, healthy weight. Everything was normal. But it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so hard to diagnose those types of things too, uh, especially just those autoimmunes. And even in the case of my mom who passed away of lung cancer, she was a non-smoker and was healthy her entire life. She was a physician, didn't even know it. I mean, you, like Karen said, you just don't think that those types of rare things would happen. Well, especially to somebody who's healthy and active mm -hmm. and you know, doing what we're told to do by doctors. Yep. Like you said, when they told you to do something, <laughs> yeah. you did it. You moved away. You moved back. You gained weight, lost weight. You did what they told you to do, and yet... Yeah, and it, it, it's a matter of uh, when you're in that situation, um, when you're incapable of taking a shower on your own, mm. you cannot brush your hair or your teeth, there is no one that can tell you how to react in a situation where you're about to lose your life several times every single week. Mm -hmm. um, for doctors then to go and search for whatever's underneath there becomes the irrelevant factor because they want you to stay alive. So they will try to stabilize you to a point where they can do all that extra. Mm -hmm. But it just kept on going, so I, I, I never got to the point where they could really do that type of work. And you know, with five million people in a the country, there aren't many alpha-1 deficient people. Right. What's the percentage? Like it is about um, three thousand uh, three hundred and fifty per ten thousand so we're we're very few that are being diagnosed so that's 0.35 mm -hmm. it's less than one percent yeah but we know that 95 percent of everyone that has alpha 1 deficiency will never be diagnosed and that is the Packs also for the U.S. and wow. for the rest of the world. Why wow. is that? Will they get sick with something else or will it not impact um, their daily life? Well, lung disease is as little sexy as it gets. Mm. Uh, so if you come in and you are diagnosed with, um, like me, with emphysema, um, I also have lung fibrosis on top of that they will think that, well, it's just COPD. It's just one of those things, but it is not. And that is why so many of us never get a proper diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So how, how I, I'm thinking that this changed your life in a great way, hearing this. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, what did you do? Well, the doctor in Norway eloquently put it that, Karen, you need to get your affairs in order. This was in the beginning of 2010. And I looked at him and I said, why? <laughs> What's up? 
And he said, well, it's unlikely that you will see 2011 because we're really at our wit's end what to do here. And you're in such bad condition that, you know, there is just so much we can do. Um, so I thought about it and said, well, watch me. So I went home, got all my affairs in order. I, my life as I knew it as a professional, um, I have three university degrees. I have worked my entire life. What's been your field? Uh, therapy. Mm. Uh, and also science and languages. Wow. That's like that's like all the ladies here. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And ending the life that you know, and saying, okay, so what am I going to do to stay alive? How am I going to go about um, learning to brush my hair again? How am I going to take a shower on my own? In the midst of this, I met the man that became my husband. I moved to Germany and got my diagnosis. A week before my 40th birthday, I had friends coming in from all over the world. We were going to celebrate. We ended up in a circle on the floor weeping because I had just been told that I had alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. I have emphysema lung fibrosis, and my liver wasn't looking really well at that point either. And the, the thing I said was, well, you know what? I have a goal of turning 45. And you know, people, they were looking down. My doctor friends, they were kind of, they were uncomfortable. <laughs> and I said, well, my big goal is to turn 50. And they walked. And they said, you know what, we can bear ourselves to tell you that, you know what, Karen, realistically, this is impossible. In 2012, on the 27th of May, I got my first life prolonging plasma infusion. I received those weekly. And because of plasma donors, blood donors from around the world, I get to be still alive. And that slows down the progression of my disease because I do get the protein into my bloodstream that I'm lacking. So when I'm traveling like now, I have a suitcase of plasma that travels with me. Is that, and that's blood? Uh, that's a blood product. Uh, when you give blood, they separate it into mm -hmm. all the little pieces. Science is so badass. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, and, the, and, the, and the plasma, you have plasma that will help bleeders, yeah. that will um, help people like me or others that have a um, other rare diseases in the blood, in the bloodstream, metabolic diseases. So for me, that date also marked the, the turning point where I was able to start to rehabilitate back to life. Mm. Wow. I screamed. I said, why me? I'm internally screaming right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, 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 was, I was so desperate for answers to why me? How come? You know, I, 
I've been through so much, so why this on top of everything else? And I really didn't want to die. Yeah. As simple as that. At this point in May 2012, I'm unable to walk and talk at the same time. I cannot walk the stairs in our house. And my husband said, well, we can buy the new house, but we're going to have a chair left. Just as you know it. I'm like, no. And he said, well, no lift, no house. He's like, uh, so that was kind of an easy um, trade-off. Let's put it that way. But I, I basically walked literally one step more every single day. And I have rehabilitated every single day since... May 2012. Well, it's been seven years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Happy, happy anniversary on that. Thank I mean, you. yeah, that's damn. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I'm, I'm sitting yeah, here. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is so you've inspirational. Def you've, yes. def you've definitely rendered us all a little bit speechless. Um, Which is hard to do for me. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, I was going to say it was hard. It's hard to do for Maddie. I was going to yeah. say, I was going to yeah, agree. It's really that. hard. It's really hard for me to just sit here and be like, okay. <clears throat> There we are. There we are. <laughs> um, but I, but I would, I mean, I, your outlook, your disposition is, mm -hmm. is really positive. And I, I want to know how you got there. Like, how do you, how do you live with that every day? And I'll, I'll tell you something that I can relate to is that I have had 12 major surgeries. I don't know if I shared this with you ladies and I have half the organs that I was born with. That's what these bird tattoos yeah. are. And um, post having a tumor removed from my breast, I developed a really serious complication. Um, and it was, it may, it could have been time for me to go. And that was several years ago and I would have been okay to go. You know, I, I looked at my kids and felt like, okay, you know what? They've made it far enough in yeah. life. They'll be okay without me. Uh, I was, I was, I was okay to go. Um, and as soon as I guess, as, as soon as I guess for me, as I made that decision at that time, and I, I tried to say goodbye to my children, and I, I really was okay when I say that. I mean, I was, I didn't have any, any stressors about that. I had just felt like I had fought for long enough. Um, and then there's became a flurry of activity because I guess when you let yourself mentally check out, it's easy to go. Yeah. And so they took me right into surgery again, fixed everything, and I woke up the next day and said, well, shit. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Now I know I'm still here and I'm great. And now I know that every single day that yeah. I wake up, I know what that possibility is. So I wake up every day and my girls that are here, I don't know if you've met my crew here, but there's one of them sitting over here next yeah. to you. They know that I, that is how I live every day. I wake up just feeling so freaking amazing that the sun is shining and my eyes are open and this day could be my last every day. So it's going to be the best. Yeah. How did you get there? Because I know that's how you're living because I can yeah. feel it. Oh, yeah. How did you get there? How I got there. Part of it is where I was as a child. Um, when, when I was little, my father was not a very good man. Um, he abused my mom. And to the point where I hid in the closet when I when it was really, really bad, so I wouldn't be in the way. 
my mom died when I was 10 years old. I found her dead in her bed. And that is also the mental turning point where my father's abuse turns to me, uh, where I have lived through abuse and molestation from I was 10 to I escaped when I was 15. I went to the U.S. as an exchange student and forced my father to pay for it generally because um, I said, it, it's either this or I will tell. So he paid. Mm. Um, I came home and after a year and moved out because I knew I could. So I did. So I've been on my own two feet ever since I was 16 years old, fending for myself. I took the choice to live when I was a young girl, when I was considering jumping off the bridge near to our home, because I, I couldn't hack it anymore, I just couldn't. And I was standing on this bridge and I was thinking, well, you know what, you could choose to jump or you could choose to listen to your grandfather and so you know what, all bad things come to an end if you stop them somehow. So I chose to live. And I chose to excel in sports at school so that nobody would really know what was going on. So I wouldn't have to tell the story. Because nobody, I thought as a child that nobody would <coughs> believe me because my dad was this wonderful um, well-respected man in the community. Oh, he was so grand taking care of a girl on his own after his poor wife died. So really, I put one foot in front of the other and stood my ground and made the life I wanted to have over years. Of course, I was unable as many young women to break the circle. I have lived through a marriage where my ex-husband mm. nearly killed me. Yeah. The and abuse, you mean, the, cycle, the circle of abuse. It, yes, yeah. the circle of abuse. Yeah. And when I left him, I broke, broke that circle because I wouldn't want my son to live or to grow up to be an abuser. The only way to not make that happen was to Break it. Break, break the him. cycle. You have one son? One son. Okay. That's the one kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when you're then faced with your death sentence, it is an easy choice to live. I'm not a survivor. I'm a thriver. There is nothing about me that has to do with survival. It has to do about choosing the life I want to live. And I want it to be my choice. So when I wake up in the morning, um, I wake up coughing blood. I wake up in so much pain that most days I just roll out of bed, go to the bathroom and feel, okay, so how is this day going to be? Some days I just have to roll back into bed and stay there for a bit 
until the pain is to a level where I can actually move about and say, yeah, we can rock this pain today with something fun. And it's such a great gift to wake up and breathe. To wake up and hear my breathing, hear the um, the sounds of nature, because we live way out in the boonies, <laughs> fresh air. <laughs> and to feel the pain also means that, well, I still have my ability to walk. I have no paralysis anywhere. And I'm actually able to feel alive. And from that state, it, it's a matter of picking myself up and choosing how my day is going to be. Because it's not a given that I will live through that day even. Uh, I mean, none of us have that as a given. Right. So, but you were given a diagnosis that you weren't going to last into 2011. Yeah. And here we are. Is it primarily the plasma? I, I'm trying to understand how it, you got from there to still, still, yeah. because... I mean, that must be a part of your conversation with your doctors because that's going to determine what's possible the next several years. Yeah, and it is partially the plasma that keeps things under wraps. Um, it's also that I'm being treated properly for my Addison's, right. um, that I also have oxygen therapy, that I have some of the, the best doctors in the world that have formed a team around me. So my, my GP, my pneumonologist, my physiotherapist, they all work together to keep me as well as humanly possible for me. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're, you're getting really good care right now. Excellent you, care. And you have, you have found that really mindful place of living where you know that every day is truly wonderful. And, it's a gift. And a blessing. It's a gift. And you're also a part of the girl community. Yeah. How did you find Courtney Olson in this in this amazing group of women? <laughs> yeah. I want to know the story. Yeah, this is going to be a good story. Yes. <laughs> um, by accident, by chance, and it was finding this. I met up with a girl in real life that I didn't know was a girl. Mm. And she told me about this website, and I went and I checked it out, and I looked at, you know, Camp Confidence and all of that, and it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I was also getting into a place in life where I'm back into sports. It was natural for me to find a community where you can thrive, because mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've been on the other side of, of this industry as well, mm -hmm. where things are not as, how can you put it? It's not a community. It's not yeah. supportive and kind. No. It's, a, it's a free for all for self-promotion. I, yeah, I know we, we all know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And finding that community and also being so different and I have walked and I still walk very alone in what I do. There is no one else in the world that do what I do yet. That mm -hmm. will like change. It. Yes. That oh, is it's such a powerful change. word right there. Yes. Yes. 
And, and being a part of the girl army gives me that community because we are many girls out mm. there that are on our own personal quest that are holding that torch high for others, for those that come after us, whether it be um, our transgender girls or it be minority girls, there is always someone that is doing sort of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that gives a, a sense of belonging to a community where you can grow and keep on growing. Mm -hmm. And if you have a really, really shitty day, <laughs> you can actually be allowed to say, you know, this day sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Help me here. Give me some. Yeah. Give me s some positives. Yeah. You can find yeah. some support from this group for sure. Well, yeah. you certainly have given a lot of inspiration. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I remember seeing your videos for the first time, and I was just like, "Oh my God." Is she Tell us about the videos. What do you mean? I've only seen the one that Courtney <laughs> played this morning. Well, uh, when you were lifting the Atlas stones at one of. Um, one of the strongman events, I don't know, it was a lot of months ago, so I can't remember which specific one. Um, but you were lifting those stones, and you had your oxygen on, and you were just killing it. Yeah. I was sitting there, and I was just like, okay, I got to I gotta like start moving again, because now she's out there doing it, I got to do it. <laughs> and it was so inspirational just to watch you do that and Thank watch you. you just kind of, as you said, thrive. Because you could tell you were thriving. You loved it. I, and, and I do. And it's a mind over matter thing. Because I, to, to love a body that is terminally ill is not an easy task mm. to do. Because I'm falling apart. Right. Um, and to love a body that can never be as fast again. Oh, it's been hard. You know, doing yeah. obstacle course racing, I can stay on the track for maybe 14, 15 hours. I'm the last one over that finishing line. But, but you're over. But I sure but as hell do, do it. Um, I have done the um, OCR World Championships mm, in Canada wow, as the really? first uh, adaptive athlete in a regular course. Um, that has kept the wristband. I have also um, been well, the, the first one on, on, on oxygen therapy. Yeah, oh, the jet. It, it was... Um, the jet? Yeah. The jet. Pulling the jet. Pulling the jet. Uh, yeah. How did that happen? Well, what's going on with that? <laughs> that I'm was pretty sure. Just, I guess it's just sure. a common thing that they do over there in sure. Norway and Germany, <laughs> just pulling jets. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have oxygen on. And I've done some strongman training, so I've pulled trucks. Yeah. And so I know how hard that is. So to see you pulling a jet, I'm like, what is going on? That is so awesome. Well, I... Sorcery. I have so I many um, world firsts under oxygen therapy or being a woman, like being the first um, athlete under oxygen therapy at the Arnold's, at this and that. And I came to a point where, you know, I, I had so many world records that I was telling my husband you know now what <laughs> <laughs> you get to that point and it's yeah. like now what 
this is a huge problem that I have. I keep accomplishing my goals. Yeah, what, what's going to come and, next? Um, my husband says suddenly one day, Karen, how about pulling an F-16? And I was like, are you crazy? Go big or go home. Uh, and <laughs> he said, say. well, you know, we could definitely make that happen. So original plan was to pull the F-16 and we had clearance to do that. But unfortunately, operational planes um, sometimes have jobs to do. Yes. <laughs> so they had a better job to do than to let me pull it. Selfish. But we were there, so they pulled out three planes on the strip. So I have pulled a MiG-15. It's a Russian spy plane. Um, and also in the Starfighter. Uh, and I tested also the Gripen, which is a Swedish plane. All in a day, oh <laughs> within an hour. Gosh. So I became the, the first woman that has ever put something like that. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool because I love planes. Mm. <laughs> and that was one of my dreams as a kid was to be a fighter pilot. But of course, you know, people that have met me, they know that I have really, really short legs. So I'm, <laughs> I'm too short and stocky <laughs> to be allowed in co cockpit on one of those. Uh, so going forward, we, we have some interesting things on the drawing board that will be pulled. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, so I have to ask, more. you know, what you know, what's what's the next step medically? The next step medically in terms of treatment options or opportunities or possibilities. There are none. Yeah. I, I don't like that answer no. that much. To to have a lung transplant, you have to be in good health. If they were to try to give me new lungs, I would bleed out on the table because the amount of cortisone they would have to put into my body just to keep me alive in that transitional surgery phase would make me bleed out. So I have to work with what I've got. That's brutal. But I am, and this might sound terrible, but I'm at ease with that. Mm. Um, I don't of think course, that sounds terrible at all. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds graceful, inspiring, yeah. and beautiful. And it's, it's more a fact of yeah. life. If yeah. if you have a, let's say for for an experiment of thought, mm -hmm. if you have a 30 year old mom with small children. That needs new organs. Her survival or possibility of survival would be much greater than mine. I have lived for 47 years, and, and, and that's a long time. Getting to be really, really old will not happen for me. It's a privilege to become a year older. Mm -hmm. I would rather those children not lose their mom yeah. than for someone to throw away, and it would be throw away organs on me. It wouldn't be right. And, and of course, I have days where I think, and I have a 
My closest friend is also an Alpha One patient. She had her lung transplant six years ago. She is my my one and all. We th- th- there is a bond that because I, I I'm heading where she was. She now has been breathing freely for seven years. It's mm, amazing. And, and sometimes when I look at her and I think, oh. I want it so bad. And then that moment goes away and it's like, you know what? It's not worth it. It is really not worth it. I think that's the most unselfish thing I've ever heard another human being say. Yeah, I, I agree. That is to look outside yourself and say, it would be throwing it away. And I would rather have somebody else survive and thrive that is that is kind of like the ultimate sacrifice like you mm-hmm. you're you're looking outside yourself and you're thinking about somebody else and as humans we can be so selfish mm-hmm. so for oh, you to say gosh, that yes. is, yeah. especially when you live with serious disease oh, i mean yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. i can be witched someday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which you have every right to be yes listen karen i i can feel the positivity from you and the peaceful place that you're at. And I know that all of our listeners are going to learn something about the quality of life and the value of breath from you. And I so appreciate you sharing the story. And Ashley and Maddie, ladies, it's more meaningful when we do this together, especially oh. when we get to hear from yeah. from Karen. Um, life-changing, really. Yeah, life-changing, I really. would have never known. So thank you for letting me sit in yeah. and yes. be well, part of you, this Karen. amazing, intimate conversation. Yeah, so. I'm going to put your social media handles in the show notes because okay. I know that people will love to learn more about you and follow you. Yep. And, you know, we are on this journey with you however many days that is. Just know that you've made new friends and mm-hmm. we are so honored to, to be here with you. Yeah, Beyond. you know, there there is that big 5-0 in a couple of years. And yeah, that it's would be. Up. Girl Live 2021, right? I was just going to say, oh, I was saying the next exciting. Girl Live. Uh-oh. That would be pretty amazing. I feel like there's some planning that has to go I on with think KO. So. I think there is. All right, Courtney, you've just been called out on this show. Triple 20, called out. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Quadruple yeah. called out. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Now it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Thank Appreciate you. you. Thank you, Thanks Karen. for being Thank here. You. And if, for you guys that are listening... This has been just always such a transformational process to share stories of women like Karen who are inspiring and really just so giving to others and also just grateful. And that makes me feel grateful. And I know it makes all of you feel the same. Please make sure that you leave us a rating or give us a comment or wherever you're listening to this on whatever platform or app, let us know what you think of the show and we will be back with you soon. This is Courtney Olson thanking you for joining us. If you want to keep up with us and join us some more, find us on our website at girl.com. That is G-R-R-R-L.com. You can find our newsletter on there to sign up for that and stay in the now. Or find us on our Instagram at girl underscore clothing. That's girl underscore clothing. And remember, you are enough.